Welcome to Pair at the Point, the Pittsburgh Penguins podcast of the Faceoff Hockey Network. Follow us on Twitter at Pair at the Point and at the FHN. Visit thefhn.net for daily hockey articles and casts. All right, so we are back after a week off, and we have a lot to discuss. So much has happened in the last two weeks uh, since we last podcasted we have had an expansion draft we've had an entry draft an entry draft and then uh the ufa frenzy yeah madness that happened um so let's get right into it uh first and foremost we got rid of tanev i guess we didn't really get rid of him he got taken which I don't know about you, but I was not expecting that. Um, no. I, I thought that they would go for uh, Zach Aston Reese. Uh, I think a lot of folks were surprised by some of Seattle's picks. They, they definitely went off the board with a number of them. Uh, a couple are heavy analytics players, which again makes the non-selection of Zach Aston Reese kind of even stranger. I'm happy that we still have Czar, however... Tanev is going to be a real tough one to replace. We did address that, uh, and I have to credit Hextall for that. I, with with Brock McGinn, they're very similar in, in terms of how they play the game. Do I think it's a one-for-one one trade? Probably not. But, I mean, Tanev's just a beauty. Also, Tanev was established in the room. Yeah. Whereas McGinn, I think we're really going to like McGinn. I think he's going to be one of those fan favorites. Right away. Quickly. But, yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to have the same level of excitement on the ice that Tanev had, if he ever does have it. Uh, I just, I was I was surprised. I, I, first of all, didn't think that Seattle would take on Tanev's contract. And not that it's horrible, but it, it's kind of large, I think, for his offense that he brings. And then... I think what there's four more years left on it. This is a this is a a, a, a gripe I've had with uh, media folks and and also just general commenters uh, with regard to Tanev's deal. He got four years at like three point five, and yes, he's going to play the third line one hundred percent of the time. He's not going to move up the lineup, but he might not he, play the third line on that team. He's top five in the league in hits. He might, he might be higher up. Yeah, that, that team. lineup on that team currently. But players like that are very valued. And when they can also yeah. be responsible defensively and they can chip in 15 goals a year, people are going to pay, pay a premium for that. And yes, you're going to add an extra year, maybe an extra half a million dollars. But do you want one of those players or do you not? Because you're going to have to pay for them. I mean, I, I agree. I didn't have a problem with Tana's contract. I, I didn't at the time that it got signed and I still didn't you know when he left but i know that is a thing throughout penguins fans and the media is that his contract was big and long but i i think he was worth every penny and i think he's going to be sorely missed next year i mean his analytics on the defensive side of the puck weren't as great as czars or bluegers however uh he scored more and 
he brought that physicality and that you know up-tempo type of forecheck that the other two really weren't known for. Uh, so uh, I'll be interested to see how those two players adapt and how the team overall adapts to not having him there. And just seeing him, I seeing him at the expansion draft like broke my little heart. I was so upset because I mean everyone knows I am was a huge am I guess a huge Tana fan. I actually just bought his jersey at in the playoffs. Oh, so that kind of sucks. But you know he just he was special, and I instantly loved him. And you even told me as soon as we signed him, I didn't really know much about him, and you told me. You thought you knew I was gonna love him instantly. He was just a shot in the arm, you know. Hornquist was having injury issues. And yeah, he I, brought that same level of passion. Yeah, every single night, and those are just the type of players that I love. So it's it's definitely was hard that day, and it's gonna be hard when you know they take the ice for the first time and he's not there. But I do wish him tons of success. I think you know he's kind of the perfect personality to um be on a brand new team with a lot of young players he'll be a great yeah. mentor for yeah. some of them i think he's gonna do really well out there and yeah. i i really hope that he has you know success out in seattle so uh, some other losses well yeah losses to mention uh other than expansion draft are our rfas that we did not qualify so Honestly, not really surprised with these. Um, we already knew the Army wasn't um, because he went home and he's not coming back to the um, yeah, he's I mean, not coming back to North America. He couldn't carve out even mediocre stats in the AHL here. Yeah. He just had a rough time transitioning. I, I think it's best for him and his career and his mental health that he's back yeah. um, in Europe. But So we already knew about him. Um, Jankowski, I, I think I'm only really surprised about this with because Gino um, might be out for a while, and, you know, we, we don't have the best center depth. But I guess because we protected Bluger and we protected Carter, there was really no reason. Well, I think I think that what sealed Jankowski's fate and made me start to question my own thoughts about, you know, maybe just giving him a qualifying offer is his underlying analytics were by far and away the worst for anybody who played for us last, yeah, last year. Yeah. He, he had he a horrible good. impact. He couldn't drive play in the ozone he you know turned the puck over a ton yeah. of the d zone he never got it going so yeah i think if you're going in the direction of let's trust what actually occurred on the ice you know how many chances were created how many happened against us he bled chances when he was on the ice so i i'm glad that they didn't resign him frankly i'm very glad so right has that, he been signed yet anywhere no and i don't I think he'll have to take an AHL contract yeah, and I prove agree. himself at yeah, this point. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I know, so Militech and Lindgren also did not get qualified. Uh, Militech, I think, got picked up by Minnesota. That's a good, smart pickup yeah. from them. He, I mean, he I needs a fresh start, I he think. He had a really bad year. I don't think he's a bad player, but I agree that a fresh start for him may, may be exactly what he needs. I mean, so he's, he's not always, surprised with that one either. He's always been a, a B or C prospect. But there's been some things that were interesting about him, but he, he really fell off the rails the last two seasons. Yeah, yeah. And Lindgren, uh, he was part of that Kapanen trade coming back. The second time. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a you know mediocre defensive prospect. Um, never really moved the needle for me. Uh, he never really saw the ice in Moto, at least in the first half of the season, from what I saw. Uh, 
you know, there's a ton of prospects that are trying to get ice time, and he never carved himself a spot there. So I, I'm not surprised they, they cleared him from uh, their list of 50 contracts. Right. And, and just tried to be aggressive with this, let four people go and, and bring in some new blood, get yeah. some get some unsigned prospects so in the, the organization. The other um, just things to mention um, revolving around the pens are the RFAs who did get qualified. So Zahorna, and he actually just signed today, I think two years. Uh, 750. Yeah. So that's really exciting for me. I thought he showed a lot in, in the season last year, kind of just getting thrown in. I think he has some potential, and he's really big. Yeah, he's which is interesting. What we we do need. Yeah, he's a very interesting player, and I I'm I'm excited. I'm glad I'm glad he's going to be on our team moving forward. I'm I'm excited to see how he develops and and kind of figures it out in in the coming year. He he has some flashes of, of some high end hands. Uh, he he's got a soft d uh you know a soft uh touch when he's deking and he has decent release uh some of that euro talent that you're just like oh wow he's he's interesting uh, did he score in his first game he did he? yeah i thought so so and he struggled a little bit in the next few games um but i could see him piecing it together at camp and making it making a push for a roster spot i, I know and i think too it's good he's gotten some familiarity with north america and i think that's going to help him moving forward so that's just an exciting one to watch out for and then obviously uh czar who we're still waiting on but i heard today on twitter that he probably isn't going to take it to arbitration i mean he, I, he's I think filed probably close to coming to it he fought yeah i mean he filed for arbitration but this is that game of chicken that a yeah. lot of players play yeah. where they say they're going to get arbitration and then at some point in mid-august before the actual arbitration date right. comes, right. they come to terms and they come to an agreement in terms of numbers. So they must not be far off the two parties. He's Pittsburgh, definitely part Pittsburgh of the plan. Media seems to think it's going to be like around two million, which which is fine for me. But we don't have two million, so we we need to think about that. Well, I mean, obviously Gino won't be on the books at the beginning of the year, but we we probably should. I mean, I, I think two million out. for Czar is a steal. Oh, I agree. Uh, with that said, I, you know I saw again today that they're looking to dump Pedersen, which everybody and their mother knew for the last five months they've been trying for to do. For me, with Pedersen, I don't understand why we can't get rid of him. There's been so many worse players that have been traded for and signed and paid too much, and it doesn't make sense to me. I I do think we'll find someone who's I think, willing to take him. I think it, I don't think any of the NHL rosters currently are anything that. I don't think they're looking anything like they're actually going to look at the start of the season. I think there's still, even though there's been a big, you know, a big crazy amount of movement, I think there's still a lot to go. Well, I think the I think it comes down to cap dollars in a flat cap era, you know, because the cap ceiling isn't going up and it right. may not for years. You don't want to commit to somebody you're not sure can play the role that they're going to be paid right. for. So he's getting paid well over $4 million a year for a few more years here and do you think he can be a solid second pairing guy for you? Now, if you're a younger team, you see, well, he's, you know, in his early twenties, he can, you know, grow into that. If you're with the Coyotes, maybe that's perfect for you. But I, there's only a few teams that are really. I'm a little bit surprised that Seattle didn't bite on him. Yeah, I mean, he would have been an interesting fit for them. I was putting all that juju into the universe, but it obviously didn't work. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I, I don't know. I kind of thought they would. 
They would. But. I, I, have a, I have a bad feeling we're either going to need to eat a million of that or going to have to throw in a sweetener pick. Yeah. Uh, if, if we can get them off the books without doing one of those two things, that would be very impressive. For yeah, me. agreed. So uh, moving on then, I guess, to the entry draft. Obviously, we didn't have a lot of picks. We didn't have a first-round pick. But I think that we really made the most of our second-round pick. I'm pretty excited. Uh, so our second-round pick, uh, we picked 58th, and it was Tristan Bros. Uh, he currently is committed to University of Minnesota. He's six foot, and he's a center. And he was, what, U- United States Hockey League, right? Correct, with the Fargo Force. Yeah. 90 points in 108 games. Yeah. Um, great developmental program. They had, you know, a bunch of, you know, mini tournament games against teams where they hopped from place to place um, and competed. It was a weird year for them, but it, it, they also got a lot of action relative to their peers. So I'm interested to see how that will affect his development. It's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, despite it being a little bizarre at times. So, you know, he's going to be further away. I mean, he's going to go play at University of Minnesota for at least two years i i think the the cool part about this draft this year is any of our guys could be gems because there was there was so little info on on pretty much everyone there were a lot of players who fell who who we didn't expect to fall and a lot of players who got taken earlier than we expected and i i think it's it's going to be an interesting year to see like not only how our picks pan out but how the the picks across the league pan out but um, Tristan describes himself as a two-way forward, and he, you know, really feels confident in his stick handling ability. He thinks he has great hands. He likes to create offense. So that's that's all stuff we obviously could use, especially you're thinking multiple years down the line when Sid and Gino either aren't playing anymore or are very end the end of their career so I think that's that's pretty exciting and I think that he'll he'll slot in nicely down the line it's it's hard to tell but it'll be fun to watch him develop so I think the one thing that's interesting when I read his scouting report and I look at uh the few clips that I've gotten to see uh he does have that next level offensive uh, intelligence he just just seems to be a step ahead of defenders he attacks open space uh, I know Elite Prospect says he, he looks like a shark circling out there. Uh, and that sort of aggressiveness in, in getting into uh, the correct lanes and uh, opening up your stick and, and attacking the net, those are, are traits that you want to see in a forward early on. Those are things you don't generally learn. So if, if you want to have you know an aggressive, young, exciting Penns team when Crosby and Malkin are on their way out, I, I'm, this is the type of player you'd start to target. Right. Somebody who's going to bring you uh, hockey IQ um, and uh, forecheck. And I think he could do both. I, I see him probably panning out as a third-line center. If, if he could get to a second-line center status, that would be great. I think he's a safer, a safer bet to make the NHL. Out of, I mean, if there could be a safe bet in this weird year. He, he seems like... You know he has a he has a lowish ceiling, but he has a high floor. So, 
I'm very confident in this pick from what I've seen. Um, University of Minnesota is a great program, so you should be in good hands there as long as there's not another huge shutdown and nothing gets derailed in terms of injuries. Um, he should be a really nice B prospect for us to hang on to, play center, um, and and fill up that pipeline. Because we were barren at center. We needed some centers. Right. That's why I think I, I was most excited about that. Okay, so we also had four other picks. We'll just go over them quickly. Um, round number five, we drafted Isaac Bellevue. Is Bell- that how you say Bellevue. That? Bellevue. French. So he's from the queue. He's a defenseman. He's 6'2". Um, he has 17 points in 37 games. He was traded mid-year. And he is offensive-minded. So he, you know, is probably going to be good on the power play. He's a good passer. Definitely interesting. Too early to tell. Yeah, I, I think this is, you know, in 1920, he had 53 points with Ramuski Oceanic as an underager. So this is definitely based more on potential than what he showed last year in a strange year. Uh, but again, it's not great that you already are seeing some sort of regression. He obviously has skill, uh, but is he going to piece it all together? Which is why he fell in the fifth round when maybe he would have been projected coming into this year as you know a, a first or second rounder. Right. So we also had um, two other defensive picks. Uh, Ryan McCleary. He's really he's tall, but he's small. Uh, so he's from the WHL. He's a two way defenseman. Uh, he only had seven points in eighteen games, but he had a very limited season. So honestly, there's just really no way to know what's going on there. And then um, Daniel Latch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is six five, huge. Um, University of Wisconsin. So again. Not we don't know seventh rounder defenseman you you never know but um, we'll see we'll we'll keep up with that um, and then in the seventh round we also picked Kirill Tankov right I wasn't gonna butcher so, that <laughs> okay so this this guy's on a, on a on an MHL team uh, SK Viragi um, he was an overager so they actually got an extra year looking at him uh, however this was our first Russian pick in a decade. Uh, we had not taken somebody since we took a goalie who never even came over, uh, I think, in 2012. So, you know, we just added a Russian scout. So I'm glad that, um, you know, the Pens are now looking to draft from European leagues, especially from the KHL. I mean, uh, you know, from Sweden, Finland, Russia, you have some really – robust junior programs there now so not having scouts placed there is just a crime this kid i mean he's going to be one of those like youtube legends i can already see right now him having multiple highlight reels but never really making an impact he's really fun to watch i would pay money to see this kid play at a junior level uh because he can dangle he can he can do some fun things with the puck uh do i think he's really going to make a major impact at the NHL or HL level, if he even comes over, probably not. But um, you know, six one, he has the capability of playing center or wing. He's interesting. So you know, you got a late seventh rounder. Take a shot on a guy like right. that. Right? Why and, not? And that's another one that will just kind of be fun to keep tabs on and and see where he eventually ends up. See if he ever even actually comes over here. Yeah. So 
Uh, so that's pretty much it for the draft, small draft this year. Um, as of right now, we do have a 2022 first round pick. So hopefully we can hold on to that for a full calendar year. And <laughs> next year we'll have a lot better chances of getting some impact players. I think next year we only don't have a third rounder. I think we have everybody else as of right now. You know, so we'll see. And getting Hollander back in the McCann trade, I know we talked about it, but like that is huge for our prospect. It's yeah, it's good pool. for the pool and you know, as much as that trade sucks and I think it's going to completely haunt us, we we at least got a prospect back. And a good one at that. Right, so. right. And um, quickly while we're on the McCann topic, as as we expected in the last episode, McCann was taken. So in a way, it kind of hurts that we lost two players to Seattle. We were the only team to do that. But, I mean, it is what it is. And I guess we just have to look forward to the ufa signings well and it, it just it reminds me of what florida did with vegas where they lost you know they paid you know they gave them smith to take march or so or vice versa and they ended up losing two very good top right. nine players right both turned into top six players for vegas consistently and you know they did damage and it hurt the, it hurt the panthers it set them back probably two years yeah uh i like i said the only upside to this is we did get a prospect back we didn't lose two players for absolutely nothing, so... I know, it's just young wingers with two-way game who can score potentially between 60 and 70 points a year. I get it, I get it. They I'm don't just, grow on trees. I'm trying to look at the upside because there's really nothing we can do about it now other than, you know, move forward with our UFA signings. Alright, I guess, I guess we should probably move on to uh, what we tried to replace those roster players with, um... Brock McGinn is being the obvious one for, and it's really a one to one with with Tanev. Yeah, so McGinn is coming from Carolina. He is twenty seven. Uh, he only had thirteen points in thirty seven games last year, but he does bring a lot of energy. He brings a lot of physicality. He's gonna you know replace Tanev on the penalty kill, and he was like universally loved in in Carolina, and that was really exciting for me to see. I, I, like I said, I think he's going to be an instant classic here with the Pens fans, and I'm excited to fall in love with him like I did with Brandon Tanev. But I know a lot of Carolina fans were absolutely devastated to lose him and thought it was a mistake. And, I mean, we can go on and on about Carolina's offseason because it's been atrocious, but I know a lot of people were, were very, very sad that he was not going to be signed. He's, he's one of those players that, you know, he doesn't maybe have – a massive analytic impact he's he's definitely more of a two-way defensive type forward uh bottom six type player but he, when you tune into a canes game he was always someone you notice and he'd been there for many years i don't they may have even drafted him he he just seemed to have a motor that wouldn't quit well, he and, flew around all three zones and he took washington out of the playoffs so yeah and game seven a couple years that's back. like that someone beautiful. we instantly love in pittsburgh <laughs> yeah so he, ha- he has some uh he has some street cred with us already the other the other um, nice thing that he said he had multiple offers so i think that's really exciting that he chose to come to pittsburgh i think you know it's always good when you have someone who really wants to be there and wants to be in your system and wants to succeed 
so I think that's that's gonna do a lot moving forward. Yeah, I mean, if he picked you out of a group, that's that's always a good sign, right? Uh, that he you know really does. He's interested with Crosby and Malkin, the whole atmosphere of the team, right? Uh, so yeah, moving on. Uh, I don't think there's much of a downgrade from Tanev there. I agree with that. Um, <laughs> so basically, we we've taken a flyer uh, on Heinen, who was a former Bruin, but played his last year with the Ducks, Anaheim. Yeah, he got traded like mid 2019-2020 season. And so his whole last year was with the Ducks. You know, the thing I remember about Heinen is that run. Uh, with the Bruins when they went to play the Blues, and he just was an impact bottom sixer. Uh, I think they have him pegged as something more. Um, he just doesn't have that same offensive ceiling as McCann did, and I think that people that are trying to hype him up for that are, are going to be disappointed. I agree. The uh, thing I hope with him is that he's hopefully a little more consistent than McCann was. I think that is kind of how we win that trade-off. I don't know if he will be, but I have hope that he will be, and I think that's where we'll have gain, is if he doesn't go games and games and games without a point. I mean, he's just... He's never been this this offensive dynamo. I mean, you'd have to go back to, like, 2014 when he was in the BCHL, where he had over 20, 20 goals in a season. He just doesn't score that much so i mean you know if he can pot 15 to 20 goals that would be great and i think that's what they're looking at him for and then you're maybe only losing a net of 7 to 10 from the loss of mccann and tanev versus mcginn and heinen right but it's still a downgrade so the the one good thing about him that mccann didn't have is the potential for penalty killing we we were really tragic in the PK department last year. So I think any bodies that can boost that is going to going to help. And they, they've also talked about him as a net front uh, presence. He, he does love to crash the net. I don't think he'll get any power play one time, but maybe he could get some power play two time and bang in a couple goals there. Well, and that also leaves the question on who is going to slot in for Gino on the power play because that that was McCann's role and he totally ran with it last year. So I've I've been thinking about that and I I know it's probably going to be Zucker. Could it could be It could Carter. also be Kapanen or yeah, or Carter. That that's a good call out as well. So that'll be interesting to watch on um, just we do have that hole there now that McCann's gone and Gino may be out for I don't know. I've heard everything. I've heard he's going to be ready. I've heard it's it's just a couple of weeks, and I've also heard four to six months. See, I, so I have no idea how how long Gina's going to be out. And I think that might be why we're kind of waiting a little bit to, to trade and sign and do a little bit more more flashy things. I think it's because we, we don't know yet uh, Malkin's status. Yeah, I mean, I if I had to put... Um a number on it out of 10. I, I have like a 9 out of 10 concern level for it. It's just, he's he's had so many injuries over the years. Right. And this is major reconstructive surgery for him. We know he's not going to be ready for the start of the year. I know that. Flat out. I know he's going to miss at least a couple months. If he's sooner than that, awesome. But we, we don't know because it's been s- multiple things have been thrown around. 
I, I, I don't even know if the team knows yet. I think that's why we're waiting. So much uncertainty yeah, and about we, recovery time. We can't focus on going out and signing a big player if he's going to be ready in like the third week of the season. Yeah, I, I just think you got a game plan as if you're going to be down him, which I think they did with the Carter expansion draft protection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 Blueville, really. Yeah. We got we had to protect that center depth with the uncertainty. And the other thing about Malkin is he might come back from this pretty quickly and then go down again. Like he has the shoulder, he has the elbow, like he has a lot of underlying issues that have piled up over the years. And this is just one fix. So we have to kind of bank on him missing time even if it's for something other than this surgery so sans malkin is the forward group good enough to take them to a playoff spot are they good enough to eke in i i think we do i i do i even if even if he wasn't there the full year i mean that's not gonna happen yeah i think that sid elevates enough that he will put the team on his back and, and, get them and get and get there. I I don't think we miss the playoffs until Sid falls off. <laughs> I think as long as Sid keeps up his current play, his current physicality, like he's just, just in such great shape. And I think as long as he keeps that up, um, we don't fall off as badly as I think some people think we are going to every single year. He's proven it. He's proven it to us every single year. Every year we think, is this the year Sid starts to decline? And every year he comes back and he's ready. Yeah, you're right. I just, you know, all it takes is one other major injury, and it's like, oh, no. I, and I know <laughs> I know, Sid, you know, like you said, he could have another crazy injury. If him and Gino are both out, it's going to be really scary. But we need to rely on our other big players. I mean, Gensel's a star now. Rust is a star. You know, we, we have Zucker. Zucker needs to step up. We have Kapanen. He can become a star. Like, we, we have other really good key players that – can also put the team on their back if Sid's not feeling it. So we just need to rely on them. And I think that a lot of those players are ready to take that next step and become that guy. I think when you have Gino and Sid on your team and they're aging, I mean, Gino just turned 35 the other day and Sid's about to turn, what, 34? Yeah, 34 on the 7th. So, you know, when you have those players on your team and you know they're aging – I feel like it's a great opportunity for Rust, who's in a contract year, like for him to step up and put the team on his back. Or, you know, for Gensel to just kind of bounce back from his weird up and down season last year and then his playoff performance. So, I don't know. I might be too hopeful, but so I feel good. I don't like this team that much on paper as I did last year, but no. I feel like our, our stars will 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 away to the playoffs. And I think if you have one prospect or player break out, somebody, you know, who you're not sure going into camp who really makes an impact, becomes an impact player at forward in particular, that can make a big, big difference as well. And I'm not sure who it's going to be. There's a lot of people that you could make a case for uh, that could become, you know, a third-line contributor. Uh, and l- let's talk about some of them right now. So uh, Evan Rodriguez coming back. Uh, on a one-year deal. I like this deal. I I think he proved that, you know, he can play in the NHL. And I think one year, one mil is no harm. He just drives me nuts I know with he, his shooting I know decisions. Does. I know he does. But 
I think it's going to be beneficial to have someone like him. His 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 value is in his versatility to go left wing, center, right wing. He right. can play wherever first line or fourth line, and not really tank you. Um, you know, you definitely wouldn't want him on your first line in the playoffs. But if in an emergency situation there's an injury in a game, he can go up there and he doesn't look out of place for a few shifts. Right. Um, I, I think I get the, it. The other, you know. <laughs> long last friend who we are going to be able to rely on is Dominic Simone. I know a lot of people hate him and hate this signing, but if there's anything that he is, it's, it's consistent. You can just rely on him to be good defensively and mark my words. We, when we get into our injury issues, we are going to be very happy that he's an option. I, the the years that he was here, I loved him. I know you did. You're you're in the minority, and mm-hmm. I honestly was pretty indifferent towards him. I I just thought that he he protects the puck really well for a smaller player. He makes passes to good areas of the ice. He keeps offensive drives going without. I think too, if we play him away. on a proper line and not glued to Sidney Crosby. He's going to be very good for us. I think the reason we were all so frustrated is because we. We thought he was bringing Sid down. And I just think he, he isn't a, a first-line winger. But I think that he will have a crucial role in our bottom six, especially when injuries start to pile up, as they always do. Yeah, the conversation around him reminds me a lot of like a Pascal Dupuis conversation. People forget this because of the way his career ended and how beloved he was as a person. But like the conversations about Dupuis up with Crosby were constant. He shouldn't be there. He shouldn't be there. Right. He's driving Sid down. He's bringing Sid down. Sid put up some of the best numbers of his career with Dominic or with um, Pascal Dupuis beside him. And Sid put up some of the best offensive uh, goals above replacement and possession numbers alongside Dominic Simone. So, you know, sometimes you need just a little spark plug who I, isn't a, who isn't a scoring threat. But Take all of the signings, all of the people we lost – Take it all and put it to the side. I think what makes or breaks us this season is our lines. I think Jason Zucker needs to be tried with Sidney Crosby. I think it's foolish that we've strapped him to Malkin. They obviously have very little chemistry. And I think that the only way to get him moving is to put him with Sid. And I don't want to just try it for a game or two. I want to try it. And I think we need to give Gensel the ability or, or rest the ability to separate themselves from Sid because without Gino, we're going to need production on other lines, and I think they're the ticket for it. I also think we should think about playing one or both of them with Malkin when Malkin comes back because I think right now we're doing a disservice to ourselves of locking those two on the same line as Sid and kind of letting the other lines flounder. And we saw it in the playoffs. They – they're not always the most successful, best thing that's ever happened to, to hockey. And I, I think that it's going to be very make or break for us on where we utilize the two of them. And I don't think it's always going to be with Sid. No, I think I think the line matching and, the, you know, having the top defensive pair and top defensive center on the other team playing against that one line, which was stacked, no doubt, and did put up great numbers, no doubt really hurt us because like you said if they were able to mitigate them from or or prevent them from scoring just one or two goals that could be the series right Right. there because the other three lines didn't have enough scoring talent and personally spread out i would really like to see zucker and kapanen play with Sidney crosby 
I want to see what it looks like. I want to see if it can kind of jumpstart that. I, I don't know. I just think, I think you put a player like Kapanen with Sid, it gives Sid an extra jump. I think if you put a player like Zucker with Sid, it might, you know, help him get out of this funk, funk that, yeah, he's been in since he's really come over with the Pens. So, and I mean, we gave up first round draft picks for both of them. Why not try them with the best player in the and world? And Kalen Addison for Zucker. Oh, no. And a first round. I know. Yeah. So, why not try the both of them with Sidney Crosby? They're, they're, we mean, gave up enough assets for them. I think it's worth a shot. Zucker can still score 30 goals in this league. I just don't know if it's going to happen with us. I agree with you. He needs a change of line mates. Uh, you know, and with Carter, he's I'm, not going to put up 30. So. I'm just so, so scared that... It's going to be more of the same old Sid and the kids. And well, it's, I just think it's not great for any of them at this point. I want to see a difference. Obviously, what we did in the playoffs last year isn't the answer. I think it's important, especially in the first couple of months of the season, with the injury to Malkin, to experiment. Right? Yeah. Where is the harm in that? And, and it's just... a long season again. It's, you know, 82 games. There's time. Yeah. There, it's not like last year where you kind of had to be playoff ready from the start. You know, we have some time to move things around, see what happens. And, you know, I would really, like I said, really love to see Gens and Rusty back with Malkin when they come back. Um, so to finish out the UFAs um, that we did sign. I got really derailed there. Sorry. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I, I love talking about the, the current stuff going on, but it's so much more exciting to talk about what the team's going to look like next year. And once we actually get back on the ice, it's going to be a relief for all the starving Pens fans. You know, yeah, doing, yeah. You know, looking for content. But there is an exciting UFA signing. Yeah. That happened that we haven't discussed yet. Um, yeah, so uh, Lindbergh, goaltender Phillip. from Philip Lindbergh. Lindbergh. Uh, he played for UMass. Um, you know, he didn't play all of their games but when he played oh boy did he put up some numbers so last season he was 10 1 and 4 so not a tiny sample size but he had um, 1.24 goals against average and a 0.949 save percentage so that's really intriguing for me yeah um and Wilkes-Barre is in desperate need of someone like this in their system yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I still think Wilkes-Barre should go and sign a vet goalie to give Diorio, who's not a, a prospect by any means, and uh, Lindbergh's the opportunity to go uh, and not be overwhelmed right away. Uh, this, is, this is obviously uh, a smart signing. Uh, there were other people obviously interested in Lindbergh with those numbers as an overager. Uh, undrafted so these are exactly the sorts of reasons that you let rights to players like Lindgren or Larmy or Militech go oh, yeah. so you can go and pursue these sorts of names and this is something that I've always had a qualm with because we haven't typically been in the running for these sorts of NCAA prospects that are out there and those are the exactly the sorts of people that can infuse talent into your prospect pool right for nothing right and that's so valuable in today's league where entry-level contracts are so important. I'm just really excited for, for this signing. I, I'm excited to see him play and, 
you never know. You just, you never know. And I, I think it was a really, really great pickup by us. And then um, lastly, we had two other UFA signings so far. All right, we signed Michael uh, Chapu um, to play center force in Wilkes-Barre and uh, Taylor Fadun. He is a right-handed D who will, again, mostly be playing in Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, and I think both, obviously, both were needed because Wilkes-Barre is very barren. And hopefully there's a couple more signings in the coming days and weeks and months. So that kind of is... A quick summary of all that's gone on over the past two weeks and you know just I I hope that there's more to come I I don't think the current roster in the way that it is is exactly how we want it or need it to be I, I'm I'm angsty and I know we didn't really get a chance to discuss it I'm angsty about how many good UFA goalies were out there and how we took a shot on none of them uh, we we thought we could get in the trade market and that obviously didn't pan out right uh, with Jari still on the roster, that's your biggest question mark uh, outside of maybe the Malkin injury because if he plays like he did last playoffs, everything else we do is for naught. Yeah, none of it matters. But we'll see. We'll see if anything pans out with that or with, you know, a veteran signing. So if you had to give a review to the offseason uh, for Hextall and the new crew, what would you do? Like a letter grade? I don't know. Maybe like a C. It wasn't horrible, but like it was – pretty lackluster I mean I think we we got worse because of the expansion draft but I do like the you know the two bigger names that we signed I wish I don't know I wish we would have tried to make more of a splash there was a lot of really good players available I would I would give it a d I think we just managed we were so concerned about the cap space that we didn't go after the names and the positions that we probably should have yeah I think we let the cap space situation overwhelm our, our strategy. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of it you can't even really blame yet on Hextall. I mean, he's in this situation because JR was not – I don't know. I feel like he was – it's one thing to be win now mentality, but – he was like a whole other level of crazy. <laughs> he was like a gambler that you were just trying to st- steer away from the roulette table because you knew they were going to bet everything. So every Evander Kane. Oh, uh, too soon. It's way too soon. <laughs> On even, that note, won't even get into that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you for listening. We will be back next week with unknown content. Hopefully, some more um, some more signings happen, but. I think in the coming weeks we'll probably do a little Jason Zucker special. Okay. Kind of want to get into him and what maybe his potential is. But yeah, we'll we'll see where what happens this coming week. You never know in hockey; it could be a really quiet week or crazy stuff could go down. The so. dog days of August. And yep. Yeah. You're, you're always searching for content. But Training like, camp's coming now, so. It is very very soon. Can't wait to get to Cranberry and see some some practices hopefully covid doesn't shut that down but now we'll, we'll actually look to um potentially take pictures and live tweet if we do get the chance to go out there a couple times so that'll be fun all right so that is all from us for this week bye bye